following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Is Bill Lazor a good play caller, or is Matt Nagy such a bad play caller that it makes average look like Bill Walsh? Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John, and there's no holding this buffoon back either. What the Bears are right now is what has been wrong with them for over 30 years. Just aim to be competitive and do your best to be average. And maybe we should just accept that. Because the front office sure as hell did. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my ass whipped many times. But I tell you, I took somebody down with me. The games have been close because the defense, your offense, which you came in to revolutionize, has gotten worse as the years go by. It's Buffone 55, the John Buffone Show. premiere of the sixth season of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. We had to play that open one more time for nostalgic purposes. Just one more time of me ripping into Matt Nagy. Just one more last gasp, and then we're looking to the future, and that's what today is about. I'm John Buffone, and with me again this season is my co-host and trusty producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, Buffone 55 is kind of like your favorite Netflix show. You binge the whole season, and then you have to wait months upon months until the new season comes out. Well, guess what? The new season drops right now. We're back. Alyssa, how are you doing? Oh, I am so ready. I have been waiting for this. Although, listening to that old open, I kind of <laughs> forgot. I felt like we were back in the Matt Nagy era, and it really freaked me out for a second. But it's all good. The future is bright now. At least until the first couple well, of weeks. I was saying, until like week two. And then, and then yeah. we're, we'll get back into it. And right now, we're positive. We're looking forward. We're leaving the past behind. We're moving forward. And we're doing so with the premiere of Buffone 55. And we got a great guest lined up for our first show of the season. But just in case, on the offset chance that this is the first time you've ever listened or watched Buffone 55. By the way, what the hell's the matter with you? But Alyssa, let our listeners and viewers know how this show works. So Buffone 55 has three segments, and we always begin with our guest. And this week, we have a special one. Joining us will be Clay Harbor, a nine-year NFL vet who has been covering the ins and outs of Bears training camp. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he was a contestant on The Bachelorette, a show both Aldo and I hold dearly to our hearts, and we're still trying to convince John over here to, to come over to the dark side. That's then followed by our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. We then finish things up with a free-for-all we call Buffon's Basement, where Aldo Gandia joins John and me, and the three of us chug down some Bears talk. So, John, take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. You're going to have to do a little bit more work before I jump on the Bachelor Blatcher. Blad, Blad, I can't even say it. Bachelor <laughs> Brett 
show train. But like you said, our guest has been killing it with Bears coverage all camp and all preseason long, and he's an, an incredible Twitter follow as well. We now welcome Clay Harbor onto the show. Clay, welcome to the Phone 55. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm out here in West Loop, Chicago. It's a beautiful day in the city, and I love talking Bears. Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely, and we are it's crunch time. The season kicks off on Thursday. The Bears kick off their season on Sunday against the 49ers. Bears fans are they're they're at a, it's at a fever pitch right now. We're just right about to hit week one. We're ready to get going. So let's get going. I want to I want to hear your point of view. You spent a lot of time at Bears camp this this offseason, this preseason. And there's just been a lot of storylines. There's been a lot of different things thrown out in the national media. But I want to know what your takeaways were because you were there. You were able to analyze and look over some of the players. What, what are some of the players that stood out or maybe surprised you that maybe weren't on your radar going into it but really did make an impression? Yeah, there's a number of those guys. And um, to start, I mean, I got to start with the position I played when I was in the NFL, and that was tight end. And the guy who really stood out and I, I like, and I'm expecting a big year from a big season from because this guy is in fact big and the first thing I noticed from Cole Komet is I'm 6'3 and some change I'm a pretty big dude I get on the field after the practice this guy is standing next to me turn around like who the heck is this guy Cole Komet this guy's six foot six six foot seven 265 270 pound dude I haven't seen a tight end this big that can move like him since I played with Rob Gronkowski Big year coming for Cole Komet. He can move. He can run routes. He can catch. He's a blocker. He will he will block a defensive end, and that's something me as a tight end that I look for. I don't like the pretty boy tight ends that are basically glorified wide receivers. I want you to be able to put your face and hands in a block and block and handle a defensive end because otherwise you're basically just a wide receiver. They're going to bring a sub packers. They're going to bring a nickel defense in to guard you. And you're not really giving yourself an advantage by keeping a, a linebacker on the field running against a linebacker. So to start off, I have to say I'm really impressed with Cole Komet. <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, I could keep going here if you guys want me to name some more no, of these. Uh, no, I was going to say, what is your overall takeaway of the camp? Because a lot of people going into camp thought that, you know, this is going to be uh, – they're throwing it together all to, – you know, it's going to be, you know, a, a scotch tape and paper clips, and it's just like this, this, this new regime, a new play caller, a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach, a new GM. This is destined to just, you know, be kind of uh, ramshackle moving forward in the first couple of weeks. How did you see the overall process of camp? I thought it was a good process. The first thing I noticed when I got to camp is I said – Matt Eberflus is running a fast and um, aggressive camp. He was moving around from position to position. The first tweet I sent out of Bears camp, so go, hey, these guys are going to be conditioned. These guys are going to be in some great shape because they're moving from drill to drill, nonstop, fast-paced football. That's what you like to see. So maybe they'll use some tempo coming into these games because they're in such good condition. They went play after play after play after play. There's no break. And it's faster than most camps I've been a part of and most camps I've seen. So to me, I think that's something that they have. It's a trick they have up their sleeve. You know, they're in a little bit better shape than some of these other teams. They can use tempo, get get QB one. You know, moving, moving, moving down the field, down the field, and to get some hurry up offense in there. 
Yeah, and Clay, you know, obviously the national narrative surrounding the Bears isn't a pretty one. You know, they've been mentioned among some of the worst NFL teams in the season. And I'm curious, what do you make of the negative attention that Chicago has been receiving? And what are your realistic expectations for what this team can accomplish in 2022? I'm not saying the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not even saying the Bears are going to make the playoffs. What I am saying is they are going to be a competitive team. I saw that at camp. I saw the same stuff I saw at camp in the preseason. Justin Fields is better than people give him credit for. Last year, he came in. Last year at this time, Andy Dalton was the starting quarterback. Nick Foles was the second straight quarterback. Uh, Justin Fields was playing with and against number threes. He's playing with threes. He's not getting to play with the, the team that he's playing with today. He's playing against threes, which I think is even more important. In training camp, Obviously, you're getting, you know, you're getting used to your offense, throwing to this receiver, throwing to this tight end, this blocking, that you know, all these guys are getting used to them. But Justin Fields is playing with and against threes. So he's not playing against NFL talent the whole preseason, the whole training camp. He's playing against backups. Half the guys didn't even make the team. So when he made that jump last year to play, this was his first time actually seeing NFL talent. So to me, that's why that was so impressive. And now this year, He's with the ones the whole year. He's the quarterback one the whole year. He's the leader. He's playing with and against ones, with and against NFL talent every day. And that's how you improve. So that's why I'm so optimistic for Fields this year. And then I see the offense. They're saying this is going to be one of the, the, the worst, what, Mike Marks, the worst talent he's seen since the 0-16 Lions. I, okay, Cole Komet. At 22 years old, had 60 catches, 600 yards. This guy's 23. I, I, I'm thinking he's going to be flirting with 800-plus yards, five, six touchdowns this year. David Montgomery, to me, vastly underrated. I know he's an NFL top 100 player, but I think he's even better than that. They're going get to the, get the ball to this guy early and often. I think he can make things happen. Then you go to, to Mooney. I think Mooney's a player that's going to have 12, 1,300 yards this year. He's running great routes. I see him. He can catch the football. And I know there's not a lot of big names after that. Pringle's been hurt, but I like what I saw from him early in camp. Equinemia St. Brown, like what I saw from him. Dante Pettis was one of the guys that stood out. As soon as I got there, I go, who is this guy running these routes? This guy, these routes are, are great. And I look him up, Dante Pettis, former second-round pick. There are some guys there. Valus Jones, very quick, extremely quick. And I think he can make a difference. He's got to work on his hands a little bit. But this guy can run some routes. I like Ryan Griffin as a backup tight end. I think their O-line, yeah, they're not great. They're going to have some growing pains, but I don't think they're the worst offensive line in the league. Maybe they're in the bottom third, but they're not just going to be getting blown past all game. And I think, I think you know, Eberflus and Getze know that what, what they have with their O-line. They're not going to leave Braxton Jones on an island without a chip against some of these big-time pass rushers, especially – Nick Bosa coming in. They got a plan for that. They got a plan if Bosa starts having a game. They're going to chip him with the running back. They're going to chip him with the tight end. They're going to get some double teams in there. Some max protect, play action stuff. You know how to play. And these guys have been in the league and they know how to call an offense. So I'm, that's why I was a little bit more optimistic than the whole bleak outlook that everybody in the national media was. So I think there's some positive things. I think the Bears are going to be competitive. I'm not going to say they're going to go on upset San Francisco the first week, but I think it's going to be a close game. But I definitely know the, the Bears aren't going to go 3-14 and 14 like Sports Illustrated put them. They will be better than that. I think they're a better team than they were last season.
Clay, you talked about Justin Fields a little bit, and I, I want to go back to that because with uh, with some of the supporting cast that you talked about with Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, what are some realistic expectations for Justin Fields this year as he goes into a very pivotal year two? I, I'm not going to where you hear some national pundits saying if the Bears are going to draft a quarterback in the first round next year because I think that's absolute garbage. <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, – but what are some realistic expectations for – Justin Fields in a new system, once again, with a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator, a new system, a new line, uh, some new weapons. What can Bears fans realistically think Justin Fields can accomplish in 2022? I think he's, I think he's going to improve. I think he's going to improve on his 73 rating. I think he's going to improve on his seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I think you're going to see improvement. I think he's going to be a guy that can complete 65% of his passes. I think he's a guy that can throw – you know, 15, 20 touchdowns. Maybe he still throws 10 picks, but he's getting better. And he's also going to give you eight, 900 yards on the ground. That's going to help this, this rushing attack. With a quarterback like Justin Fields, I want to see some zone reads. Obviously, he's going to scramble and use his athletic ability here and there. I'd much rather see him when he's scrambling, keep his eyes downfield. Like Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Jalen Hurts only had 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions last year, and he led the Eagles to a playoff berth. He had one receiver to throw the ball to. He, he, had, he had Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins as his two and three. These guys aren't big-name guys. Um, he obviously had a good tight end. The Eagles have a good tight end, Dallas Goddard, and he had a solid line. I think it could be something similar to that. 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 800 yards rushing, have a good season, build on this season, and then now look where the Eagles are. They had a lot of cap space. They made a lot of moves. The Bears got the most cap space in the NFL, almost doubling the next team next year. So I want to see some improvement. I want to see them be in some of these close games. They got a tough schedule, but you know, I think they really can surprise some people this year. And I think I think Fields will improve. And a lot has been made of, you know, Fields' underwhelming supporting cast, you know, the receiving core and the offensive line. And I'm curious, who do you think needs to step up to help Fields this season, maybe even outside of Darnell Mooney? And do you think that Fields can succeed and show that progress with this current supporting cast? Cole Komet's got to be a bona fide star for the Bears. He's one of the most important guys for the Bears this season. Also, Mooney. Mooney's going to have to show why he's one of the why I think he's one of the best running backs in this league. Those two guys got to show up, and then you got to have another receiver show up. I think I'd love Pettis. I think Pettis can play. I I think Velas Jones got to think he's going to be more of a specialist for him, but. Pringle's going to have to play. Equinemia St. Brown. Equinemia St. Brown, I have no idea how big this guy was. Not that he's big physically. He's so tall. Get this guy involved with some jump balls. He's 6'5", 6'6", 210 pounds. These guys can play. I think Pringle showed he could play on a great offense in Kansas City. So I'm excited to see what he does when he's back and healthy. And I think some of these guys are going to have to step up. The thing I like, these guys can all catch the football. They can catch the football. They're not guys that have balls bouncing off their chest and bad hands, off their helmet, anything like that. They can track a football and catch a football. So they'll get some space, and that, that now that's up to Fields and, and Getsy to scheme some um, some routes to get them open. Let's switch side of the sides of the ball because one of the biggest storylines during camp was the Roquan Smith saga. The hold-in, the trade demand, the, the press conference by polls, the yeah. statement on social media. Uh, obviously, they, it seems like they've tabled some talks uh, for now, uh, but how do you 
foresee Roquan's future in Chicago? Is this a guy that you uh, think or at least hope will be long-term in Chicago or are some of his salary demands pricing himself out of the market? I think it's tough because, I mean, it just where do you see a middle linebacker? Obviously, the Bears are known for middle linebackers, you know, linebackers in general. Go back to Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher, a team that has a, a great history of that. So what do you want your team to do? Do you want to spend top dollar on a linebacker or do you want to maybe get some secondary guys, a solid linebacker, some solid pass rushers? So it's, it's just what does Poles want? Poles isn't the guy that drafted Roquan. Poles isn't the team doesn't owe Roquan anything. So I'm not sure that they pay Roquan. I like Roquan as a player, but um, I'm not sure he's worth what he's asking for. So I know that he's a Chicago fan favorite and everybody loves him. I love Roquan too. I think he's a great player, but I'm not sure he's worth sacrificing your whole defense for just that one piece. And I think linebacker is important, but I think you have to have a, a full a group of guys and not just one guy that you're going to pay top dollar to, to be successful. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what polls is thinking and he made him a good offer. Apparently Roquan wants that, uh, you know, he wants that market setting deal. So we'll see what happens. And if the bears do move, move on from Roquan, you know, obviously Ryan Poles has showed that he's someone who's going to continue to retool this roster. And we saw that with the notable waiver wire pickups that he made after final cutdowns. And that includes obviously Alex Leatherwood, Armin Watts, and Amir Smith-Marset, among others. And Clay, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the new additions? Yeah, I like some of those. I think Leatherwood's an interesting guy. I think he's, um, you know, he's uh, a guy that obviously is a first, first round draft pick for a reason. I think maybe they move him inside and you know, get some work in there. But, you know, I like, I like, you know, the receiver they got. I think these are some guys that could pay some dividends. And, you know, some people say that's not a good sign when you, uh, when you use the waiver wire to pick up six, seven, eight new guys, which being the year that might hurt you a little bit, because some of these guys are going to have to play. You know, they're going to have to get caught up to speed. I was a waiver wire picket pick up at one point in my career. I'm playing with the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in 2013 and the last cut on the Eagles. I get picked up by the uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars during that first week of practice before the game. Back then, there was only one week from the from the preseason to the first game. I get signed on Monday. We're playing on Sunday. Our starting tight end goes down. Next thing you know, I have to play tight end. The first play of the 2013 season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I caught a 15-yard pass after not playing one practice there. So you have to be ready to go. You have to be able to learn an offense, and it's hard. It's not easy. You're not comfortable. You don't know exactly the playbook. You know, you got to study, study, study. And then you just got to go out there and play and just hope you don't mess up because you're not as comfortable as you should be. So there's a little bit of a, you know, a negative, a negative deal there once you're signing all these guys from, um, from other people's waiver wires because they're not familiar with your team. But I, I like what he's doing. He's being aggressive. If he sees talent – he sees talent out there. He's not going to hesitate. He's going to jump on it. So I think he's making the team better. He's creating more depth and getting a lot of peace there. So I'm excited to see how the, how the season goes and how some of these signings do. Uh, I I'd like to get your overall impression of the attitude that not just Matt Eberflus has 
pushed during uh, training camp in the preseason, but maybe the culture that Ryan Poles is trying to institute as well. What do you think the overall culture is that these two men are trying to build and are hopefully building the foundation for moving forward? Yeah, I think they're I think they're showing some some really good things and they're showing it's team first and they're not going to invest in just one guy. It's everybody's going to go out there and play. And, and I think I like the, I like their style. They're going to play hard, fast football with Eberflus, be competitive during push in practice. And then in the game is their time to have fun, go out there and play. He's going to have his players backs. I've been watching his, his uh, press conferences. He's got his players backs. He's always talking positive. He's not a big negativity guy, which I like. You know, it's a lot easier to play for the guys that are going to be, you know, positive reinforcement as opposed to negative reinforcement. So I love that. And I love Poles. Poles isn't going to back down to a guy like Roquan. He's going to say, hey, this is what we offer him. He stood in front of the, the media on that press conference when Roquan was saying all the stuff about the contract. Say, hey, there are some spots in this deal that he would make him the highest paid middle linebacker in the league. He didn't like it. This is what we this is what we're going to try to do moving forward and this is you know what we're going to do now. So I really like what they're doing and they're setting a standard for the Bears and I, I hope that this leads into some success because obviously the last few years you know haven't haven't been good. You know we've talked a lot about the offense so far tonight and you know this is a fresh start no more Matt Nagy bringing on Luke Getze, you know Justin Fields is the undisputed quarterback one which is yeah. nice, you know, but there are concerns. And I'm just curious, how do you think that this Bears offense is going to stack up when compared to the rest of the league and the expectations for them in in the first year under Getsy? I think I think they'll be better than people think. People think that this team is one of the, the lower, you know, the 32, 31, 30th ranked team in the league, and I think they'll be better than that. I'm not saying they're going to be a top 10 offense, but I think they can be middle of the road. I think, I think field is going to impress a lot of people. Like I said, this is his first whole offseason training camp preseason, but actually playing with NFL talent and against NFL talent. So you're going to see some big improvement there. I love Komet. I think the offensive line is young, but I think they're going to keep getting better as the weeks go on. As the weeks go on, they're going to keep getting better. I think this team is a team that can upset some people, some teams down the road and keep growing. So I'm really excited to see that. And I This national media um, – I mean, I don't know. For some reason, they just hate the Bears. And even Justin Fields and, and, and some of Mooney's getting a lot of hate and a lot of slander. So I'm excited for these guys. They knock off the, the 49ers Sunday. They're going to they're gonna have to start turning some heads. Or at least convince the rest of the league that they're not the worst team in the NFL. Uh, but but yeah. I think that I think that'll be proved pretty quickly on. Uh, before we go to a couple of user questions or uh, commenters' questions, I, I want to ask you. Uh, everyone keeps talking about the offense and how the offense is going to have this new look and how uh, you know Justin Fields and all, and all of his supporting cast are going to play. Uh, I think sometimes it's uh, swept under the rug. This is a new defensive scheme coming to Chicago as well. Uh, there's a whole new scheme, and Roquan's going uh, to have a, a different set of responsibilities thrust upon him. What did you see from this offense? Uh, maybe not schematically wise, but I guess attitude wise, because we know that is Matt Eberflus's bread and butter. What have you seen from the offense or the defense so far? Yeah. So I, what I really like about the defense is I like that. I like that defensive line. I like Robert Quinn. I like Mahabin. I like Travis Gibson and Dominic Robinson. Those four guys showed me a lot in training camp. Dominic Robinson is a rookie and he's fifth round pick. 
But this guy's explosive. He's got great moves. I was like, saw some moves from him. Like, wow, that guy is is good. He can play. And um, I think he's going to be a guy that shocks people. I think Travis Gibson, a guy last year that had seven sacks and nine starts, he was actually a top 10 graded pass rusher on PFF somehow. And I think he's a guy that starts to get more and more um, opportunities. And with those opportunities, he's going he's gonna to show some people what he can do. I think Gibson is going to have a great year. And then obviously Robert Quinn, this guy had – people forget he had 18 and a half sacks last year. I mean, come on. That's, that's incredible. 18 and a half sacks. And he's obviously going to have his hands full this week, Trent Williams. But I think that's going to be one of the best matchups we'll get to see all season. And I love people giving polls a hard time. Right. Oh, he went out and drafted these defensive backs, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brister. He had to. The Bears last year gave up a league worst, a league worst quarterback rating against. It was like 103 or 104 against their entire defense. You can't win football games like that. Oh, we should have put stuff around Justin Fields. Justin Fields wouldn't have got on the field if these guys were completing passes like it's seven on seven against the defense. You got to have a better secondary, a better defense to get your offense on the field and be in better field position. It's all symbiotic. It all works together. So I think Poles knows that. Poles has a plan, and I like these two defensive picks. And they're going to have their hands full this this Sunday because the 49ers are coming in town. You're going to see Brister have to play a lot against Kittle if Kittle plays. I know there's been some some talk about his groin, but Kittle's groin's fine. Kittle's going to play. Okay, and then we got Debo Samuel who torched us last year, and Kyler Gordon's going to get matched up on him a lot in the slot and outside the slot. They move, they move uh, Debo around a lot, even give him some uh, some handoffs. But I think those guys are going to get tested really early. And hey, trial by fire. I love that. I want to see what these guys can do. And to me, what I've seen this preseason, I've seen in training camp. I think these guys are going to step up to the occasion. All right, it looks like we have some user questions here. Takings on Wesco. Clay, did you see Wesco play? I haven't seen him play, but uh, just looking at his stats and his size and, and his reputation around the, the league, is this guy's a, a blocking tight end. I'm talking about the tight end Wesco, correct? He's yeah. a uh, he's a blocking tight end, and I think I think that's something that they need because they obviously they uh, – I was, I was upset they let go of James O'Shaughnessy. I know he was sick. He got waived with a sickness or illness or something. But when I saw training camp, I know he was he was out for a while, but he was he was making plays right and left. This guy can block, he can catch. So I was I was intrigued at why they let him go. I was foreseeing some three three tight end sets with Griffin. I love Ryan Griffin. Obviously, I love Kamat, and I, I really loved O'Shaughnessy. I guess they were gonna have this veteran battle between O'Shaughnessy and Griffin and see who won. But I still love Ryan Griffin. I think he can do a lot of things with the two tight end sets. You saw him catch that touchdown in the preseason game. So I think Komet and Griffin will spend a lot of time on the field together because both those guys can split out and play slot. Both those guys can play attached. Both those guys can play as a fullback and a move guy. So I, I really like the, uh, the possibilities they have with these, with these tight ends. And we got another question from the chat, and it says, Clay, what do you think of this wide zone run scheme, and how long will it take to gel and play well? I like I like the zone. I've always been a fan of the zone, and I think zone is – it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, you got to – it's simple, but it's not easy. You got to take your steps. Everybody's got to be in unison. You got to take the same steps, You got and you play against different defenses, obviously. You got to get some movement. 
whether that's diagonal, whether that's pushing pushing them off the ball, you got to get movement in the zone. And then let you know, let Montgomery, let Herbert pick their zones, pick their holes. And as a tight end, I liked it because you're protected. You know, everybody's zoning the same direction. So say the defensive end wants to slant inside. It's not a one-on-one scheme. It's a zone scheme. So then you can just pass them off to the next defender, right? And then the next guy, and then you keep climbing. So it's a it's a simple scheme. It's not easy, but it's simple. And I'm a big fan of the zone scheme. I played a lot of that when I was uh, when I was playing ball. All right, we got one more user question from Tooch. How do you all think Trey Lance will do this season? Is he really an improvement over Jimmy G? And do you think that the Bears can give him some trouble uh, coming up on Sunday? It's a sticky situation for Trey Lance. And I've been thinking about this one. And if he doesn't start off hot, there's going to be guys in that locker room that are team Jimmy. Jimmy took him to a Super Bowl. Jimmy took him to the NFC Championship game. And if they start losing some games because Trey Lance can't compete, he can't play well for the first couple games, then there's going to be a sticky situation in that locker room. There's a lot of veterans in there. These guys want to win now. They saw how close they got to a Super Bowl. They want to win now. So that's a sticky situation. I think Trey Lance can play, but Trey Lance is coming from my conference, the Missouri Valley Football Conference, a North Dakota State product. I went to Missouri State. He was playing the last few games. He played two games last year, but before that, he's playing against Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Northern Iowa, Youngstown State. Those are the teams he's playing. There's some talent there, but it's there's it's nothing like NFL Sunday. The speed is so, so much faster than NFL. So that's going to be hard for him. I think if the Bears can show him some different blitzes, show him some different zone coverages, obviously mix in a couple man blitzes here and there. I think it could be a tough day for Trey Lance coming into Soldier Field. Yeah, very rarely do they keep the guy you're replacing on the roster to be breathing down your neck for the entire season, especially coming off of a deep playoff run. Very unique situation in San Francisco. Clay, before we get you out of here, I want to know if you have any predictions for the game coming up. The Bears, I believe, are a touchdown underdog. It keeps shifting between six and a half, seven and a half. So I think it's on seven right now. But uh, do you think that the Bears have a shot in this opening game? Because I've been saying if they're going to catch the 49ers any time in the season, I prefer it to be week one whenever Trey Lance hopefully is still getting acclimated to that game speed. What do you think happens on Sunday? I think it's a fair – honestly, I think it's a it's it's a fair pick right there. Seven points. Um, I mean, that's still a close game. And you got to remember, this team was a play away from the Super Bowl last year. This roster is a great roster. This isn't a, this isn't a bad roster. You got Fred Warner. You got Nick Bosa coming on the defense. You got Debo Samuel. You got some players on that team, so I think it's it's a it's a fair pick. But I think the Bears, they're going to have to play a good game. They're going to have to establish David Montgomery early. Roquan's going to have to have a good game. Brister and Kyler Gorn are going to have to. I'm not saying completely shut them down. They're going to have to play great defense against Kittle and Debo and Braxton Jones. What? How is Braxton Jones going to react? Braxton Jones is an FCS player too. Like I said, it's not easy. My first game, I played in the NFL. My heart was pumping. I, I'm like, dude, you've played football before. Couldn't help it. I went from playing against Missouri State to playing against with the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. It's, it's a different animal. So Braxton Jones against Nick Bosa. We got Larry Borum on the other side. This guy's only had eight snaps in his career. These tackles, and the 49ers got great rush ends. So I want to see if these tackles can block, and I think they can. I know we got Riley Reef back there just in case, which I thought would be would get the nod because he's a veteran. He's playing this like I've played with Riley. I like him. I think he's a great player. But if all those things can happen, if these tackles can block, I'm not saying stonewall them every play, but if they hold their own, Roquan has a big game. 
uh, Brisker, Kyler Gordon has a nice game, and we established David Montgomery. Give Field some time. I think the Bears can be upset here, and I'm not going to say that you know it's going to happen. Obviously, I got to see more, but I think it's going to be a competitive game. So you're saying there's a chance, and that's all we need. That's all we need. Clay, before we cut you loose, please let our listeners and viewers know how they can interact with you, see your stuff, get all your analysis, and uh, all your social media stuff. Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. Uh, I got, I'm going to have a couple announcements coming later on this week. I'm going to be doing some work with some uh, some podcasts in Philadelphia. But uh, I'm still going to be talking Bears. I love my hometown team. So uh, just follow me on Twitter, ClayHarps82. Excellent, Clay Harbor. Thank you so much for being on Buffone 55, our premiere episode of Season 6. Great insight. We really felt like we pulled back the curtain a little bit on this team, so we appreciate that, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely, and we'll be back with more Buffone 55 right after this. I don't know why people don't talk about this more is Oracle Park um, in San Francisco. Like, that's just such a neat field. Like, you know, just the, the whole aspect of it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of breathtaking. Growing up in St. Louis, you know, you it's basically them them and the Cardinals um, for, what, five years uh, from, like, 2010 to 2015 or whatever it was. Um, you know, it was just back and forth. So, you know, I, I you see that, that park growing up in the postseason all the time, and I walk in, it's like, holy cow man like this is this is sweet and like the atmosphere the fans are unbelievable there um so i was i was fortunate enough to you know go to an nl park um you know out west which which not many guys get to do in their their first first season catch this episode of south burbs hitman on demand wherever you get podcasts or head over to youtube and watch the video stream and make sure you subscribe so that way you don't miss out on any of the Barroom Network's live programming. And welcome back to Buffon 55. Now it's time for our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's tribute to the great Doug Buffon his uncle, who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. So, John, it's been a while. You know, uh, there's a whole new regime in place since we last, since we've last up. Hey, I can't even talk. Since we've last done this. So are you ready? Because I'm going to find him. Uh, I don't know if my timing's on like it usually is. I, it's it's the, you know, it's still the, uh, still preseason for everybody. So we're still, we're still working on it. But uh, you'll, we'll give it the old college try. Let's see what we can do. Let's see. Maybe we can go three and zero in the preseason with the Bears. Let's see. We got this. All right. Okay, John. So, and we've talked about this all throughout the off season and even the preseason. The national media has been taking shots at the Bears. Just, it's quite annoying. One of the more common storylines is that Justin Fields has the worst situation out of all the second-year quarterbacks that were taken in the first round last year. So, as we approach the regular season, do you agree with this notion? Let's dust off that timer. You have 55 seconds. Well, 
I suppose if you do five seconds of research on each team, that's a possible conclusion. Oh, Trey Lance has Shanahan and Debo and George Kittle. Better situation there. Oh, Mac Jones has Belichick and like three offensive coordinators. Better situation there. Zach Wilson. Oh, they draft a wide receiver in the first round. They have uh, Elijah Mitchell or um, more. Uh, better situation there. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, they spent $80 million on Christian Kirk and they brought in Doug Peterson. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Definitely a better situation there. So that's surface area analysis could help you draw the conclusion but they're missing the biggest part is that the biggest thing that affected justin fields was a coaching change and now he has an offensive coordinator that basically runs the shanahan system and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback something we have not seen in a long time and it's kind of crazy that people just dismiss darnell mooney and dismiss david montgomery as if they are not uh, elite playmakers yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think necessarily that Fields is in the best position out of those five first-round quarterbacks, but I don't think he's in the worst either. I mean, we talk about Luke Getze coming and people are underrating that move. It's like, do you remember that he played with Matt Nagy? Matt Nagy was his play caller. The way that he was able to make Fields look that bad was impressive. So, I mean, just in bringing Getze in, an actual adult in the room, Someone that actually understands offense and understands that you need to cater it to your quarterback strengths. Wow, novel concept. I think that's going to help him just tremendously. And yes, there are some questions about a supporting cast. And, you know, other teams went out, even outside of like the first round quarterbacks from last year. Look at what the Dolphins did for, for Tua Tagovailoa, like what they brought in that, you know, the receiver and the, and the offensive line. Like they helped him. Maybe that's where the, what the Bears do next year. But for right now, I think that Fields is in a pretty decent position, mostly because, like you said, John, Matt Nagy's gone. Right. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and quite frankly, yeah, I don't think he's in the best position. But the fact that all you hear is that, you know, the Bears are just dooming Justin Fields. And you know what? He's going to play so poorly that they might consider drafting a quarterback in the first round next year because clearly they're going to be drafting in the top three or four next year. So all of this is just junk. Now, the best part is we get to settle this as they play the games. And, and you know, I'm people who watch this show – no, I'm not a homer. I'm not going to be like, oh, the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. But I, I also understand when they're not as bad as people say they are. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we're gonna put people in place a little bit here. Okay, so we're gonna talk about some of Justin Fields' weapons, which is one of the biggest criticisms as to why he's gonna fail this year. Apparently, so as we mentioned before, there are a lot of wild cards out there as we head into Week One against the 49ers and. I'm interested to know your overall analysis of this current receiving core. Good luck keeping this under 55 seconds. Go. Look, so the way I look at this is Ryan Poles bought a bunch of $1 scratch-offs. You head into the season with Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp. You draft Bayless Jones. You traded for Nikhil Harry. So instead of just one $20 scratch-off that you hope pays out big because you invested everything you got into it, you cast a bunch of small nets and you hope that one of them hits. I'm getting pretty convoluted here in the metaphors, but I think you get the point. If St. Brown catches 60 balls for 800 yards, yards and five to six touchdowns isn't that a huge return on investment if Bayless if Jones takes you know three or four gadget plays to the house and catches 30 balls isn't that a big return on investment no one is going to talk about this island of misfit receivers if one of them actually hits and I think that's the game plan Ryan Poles is uh, adhering to spread the chips around the board to increase your chances of hitting and I, I somehow fit three metaphors into one response but I, I hope everybody <laughs> followed that I love it. You're you're a mid-season four. Yeah. Uh, 
But I agree. I mean, like, I think it's fair for, you know, I guess the argument is that, yes, Darnell Mooney is the only proven guy uh, on the roster, in the receiving core at least. And yes, okay, that's true. But also there are a lot of young guys that we really don't know much about, which, you know, maybe obviously towards later in the season, we could be talking about Equinania St. Brad or or Byron Pringle or Bayless Jones having like a a mini breakout year. So we really don't know yet. That's up to these receivers. And like you said, Ryan Poles, he's not taking any huge swings, at least yet. And he even said that he's not someone who's just going to go out and sign the name, the big name, right? You know, he's doing his homework, him and his staff. And you know, they're going out and they're finding people that are going to help this offense. You have Equinania St. Brown, who's that big receiver that can be utilized in the red zone. Like, and you have Darnell Mooney, who hopefully has another thousand-year receiving season. And Dante Pettis, like Clay was talking about, I'm really curious, with the, you know, about how he's going to factor in because, you know, he is a veteran. He's going to be utilized, obviously, on special teams. But he's someone who, again, is splashing that chemistry with Justin Fields, and he's going to get some opportunities. And we haven't really seen Byron Pringle yet, but, you know, he's a speedster and he can be a playmaker. And he was someone buried, who was buried on Kansas City's depth chart. So, you know, I'm really intrigued by this group. I don't feel overconfident, but I don't think it's, I think, did Mike Martz call this receiving group like the worst? I know he called the offense like as yeah. bad as the own 16 Lions. I don't think they're that bad. They're unproven, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give them the chance. Look, I'm not saying any of these guys are better than Allen Robinson, but it's not going to take much to match Allen Robinson's output from last year for that number two spot. So I think if they can, if they can, uh, overcome that, then you can't say that the receiving core is going to be worse than last year because look at the production. Allen Robinson's, a, I think, is still a great receiver, but he didn't do anything last year. So these guys have an, have an opportunity to, you know, go past that so we can see more production out of the wide receiving core. And that's the thing, too. People are like, the Bears got so much worse at wide receiver. And yes, losing Allen Robinson is a huge blow. But when you look at the receiver group from last year, it didn't get that much worse. It's not. It wasn't a complete overhaul. I mean, it was a complete overhaul, but you lost Allen Robinson and behind him, who really had a significant impact. You know, no one really. So I mean, it's a little unfair to start like you know calling this group the worst or the worst in the NFL. But again, they're unproven, and I'm willing to give them a chance. And you know, we'll see. You know, maybe you know, great quarterbacks can you know really help help his players out. So we'll see what Justin can do with this group. And he even said he can win with this group of receivers. So. Go for it, Justin. I, I like that last user comment that people, uh, they kind of confuse unproven with bad. And that's that's yes. not the case. I, I, I think that the, the unproven just means unproven. Yeah, people are conflating yes. unproven with bad by uh, Eric Bono. I probably screwed your name up. I apologize. But uh, but that's that's a great that's a great point. <laughs> unproven does not necessarily mean awful. Uh, it could, but that's why it's unproven. It could also mean pretty good. So we'll see. Hey, we, we're not used to that as Bears fans. But, you know, hey, maybe tides are changing. You know, I never know. <laughs> okay, so we're sticking with the offense because obviously that's a big topic uh, heading into the season, but we're going to switch to the offensive line, another popular uh, popular discussion topic. You know, Tevin Jenkins has been a lightning rod of conversation throughout the summer and the preseason. You know, although he has appeared to fa- have found a comfort zone at right guard, you know, trade rumors were swirling, you know, back during final cutdowns. Obviously, that didn't wind up happening. John, I'm curious, do you think that Tevin Jenkins was actually in danger of being traded? The clock starts when you do. No, 
I I thought it was silly the first time I heard it, and I still think it's kind of silly. So this might be a recurring theme here. But once again, what was the return going to be? Unless he was an absolute cancer in the locker room, which there's no inkling of that at all, you have to see what you got in Tevin Jenkins. He's on a rookie deal, so you're paying him nothing. He's still super young, and it appears that he found a comfort zone uh, on the right side of the ball, right guard. So he he is the starter after all. So furthermore, what were you going to get for him at this point? If you're an interested team, you see this guy has dealt with injuries throughout his young career. You aren't entirely sure where he's supposed to play on the line. So what do you give up for that? A fifth rounder? A fourth if you get fleeced? So I think you keep a 24-year-old and see if he can figure it out. And the worst case scenario is you don't re-sign him in two years. I don't think dumping him for a late round pick is a wise choice. And I don't envision him getting traded anytime in the near future. But, you know, with our luck, Alyssa, he'll get traded the second we go off the air. But <laughs> Yeah, I never, I remember when that report surfaced for me and Rappaport and it just kind of seemed like he wanted to die on that hill. And that was right when Tevin Jenkins had solidified himself like at right guard. So it was really kind of confusing. And like you said, when you have a young offensive talent like that, why are you going to get rid of him? That's why Ryan Poles went out and got Alex Leatherwood, right? You know, it's kind of like the same thing. He's like a rookie again. Uh, so, like, they have this young offensive talent that they're developing. So, you know, I never believed that anyways. And I know this week, you know, with Lucas Patrick and not being able to snap, you know, Tevin, it doesn't sound like he's going to be starting at right guard on Sunday. But, you know, as soon as Patrick is back at center, you know, everything's going to be fine. So no use freaking out over that. But I just, I never saw that happening because, you know, Tevin just, he, I've never seen a turnaround like that. Mm-hmm. Like that entire off season was like really stressful. <laughs> like right. that poor guy, what he had to go through, it was just up and down. And then it was just like one of those like Hallmark movies. Like when he finally found his spot, like it was, it was, it was nice. So, I mean, I never really believed that he was on the trade block. I mean, Ryan Poles even addressed it where he was like, yeah, people are all of a sudden calling me and being like, hey, are you t- trading Tevin? He's like, no. But again, you're going to answer those calls, but he sure. wasn't out there making them. And, and I think you you bring up two good points. One is the fact that I think what Tevin has gone through is going to make him a much better professional because he's dealing with all this stuff in his second year. And and to uh, Cliff Victoria's point, so is uh, Alex Leatherwood, who got claimed off waivers. These are guys that, you know, have gone through a lot. The, the Leatherwood's first team just gives up on him a year after he's taken in the first round. Uh, and, and Tevin Jenkins is getting moved all over the line. He's dealing with back problems, trade rumors. This is kind of that this is where you become a man type situation where he's just like, you've had to deal with all this and now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm just going to crack some helmets now. So I think that that, that could potentially, they could come out of uh, this in the positive sense. And two, Ryan Poles does not seem like the kind of GM that's going to have a 24 year old guard tackle, whatever uh, on his second year of his rookie deal, paying him nothing and just be like, you know what? Just give me a fifth rounder. Doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Seems like a guy who's investing in youth, investing in small, uh, small risk, high reward kind of guys. And that's what Tevin Jenkins at this point is uh, kind of a low, uh, low risk, high reward because you're not paying him a lot. And he could turn out to be a regular starter throughout his tenure. So uh, I, I never even batted an eye. Like when I heard these trainers, I, I was like, well, things are getting interesting or things are getting weird, but I never really thought that he was going to get moved. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when with Ryan Poles' like introductory con- you know con- press conference, he didn't really mention a lot of people, but I think that he singled out Tevin Jenkins when he was talking about like offensive linemen. So like he even before even doing a deep dive on him, he saw the talent and he recognized that. So again, as someone who has Ryan Poles said he wants to develop this talent, 
you're not going to give up on him like that. He's he's already under contract. You're going to do what you can. And like you said, if if he doesn't work out, then you move on from him. You let him walk. It's low risk, and uh, yep. with all the with all the potential in the world. Okay, John. So it's been a while since we've done this show, and a lot has happened on the Roquan Smith front. <laughs> uh, we all know about the drama of the trade demand, the hold in at camp, the contract negotiations. Ryan pulls his press conference, and then Roquan, uh, Roquan ultimately coming back to play out the final year of his contract. So with all of that coming into the equation, get out your crystal ball. What do you think ultimately happens with Roquan Smith and the Bears? 55 seconds are on the clock. <laughs> so uh, first and foremost, I'm always an advocate of a player getting his money, especially at a high collision position like linebacker. However, I can see this becoming more and more strange. I mean, it's already strange with the consultant apparently tampering with teams about trading for Roquan, Roquan not really having an agent, and then the press conference called by Ryan Poles. It was just all very strange. But honestly, I can see Roquan Smith playing this year and then getting franchise tagged in 2023 because it could still be cheaper than what the Bears originally offered and what Roquan Smith wants. Look, this is tough because I'm sure the staff wants to see how he performs in this new system. And there is a, there's that whole question about paying a linebacker between 20 and 25 million or, you know, resetting the market kind of money. Uh, and, but you also want to surround your quarterback with weapons and uh, down the road. So this is kind of a temporary reprieve because this is still going to come to a head probably right after the season. Yeah. And I think uh, I agree. I think that they're ultimately going to franchise tag him. I don't see how they're coming to an agreement because it seems like they're so far apart. And I don't think Roquan helped himself by not having an agent to kind of serve as that, that conduit. Like between, I, I, I don't think he helped himself at all, but I do think they'll franchise him. Plus this kind of made me think about some of the other players that are coming up for contract extensions. Uh, so like maybe like Darnell Mooney in a couple of years, right? You know, so that's somebody we, we're going to really see where is Ryan Poles valuing, like who's he going to pay? Does he think that Roquan's worth that money? It doesn't sound like he's willing to budge there, but maybe he invested, obviously, in free agency. They have a whole bunch of money to work with next year. And then when Mooney's extension's coming up, I don't think David Montgomery is going to be back, but we'll see. Cole Komet, if he ends up breaking out, you know, Jalen Johnson, like there's a whole bunch of young players that are going to be due for contract extensions, and we'll see where is Ryan Paul's willing to prioritize spending that money and helping the future of this team. And like you said, you're eventually going to want to pay some weapons for Justin Fields, who you're you're hoping is the most important person to develop. So if 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 it's if it's all about getting the quarterback right, you may see them spending a lot more money on the offensive side of the ball because we've seen what happens when your top five players are all on the defensive side of the ball. Whenever you know it's Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and uh, Robert Quinn and uh, who uh, some other some uh, Eddie Jackson like defensive players tend to get hurt more because they're have they have they uh they're a high percentage of collisions and so we see Akeem Hicks miss games we see Khalil Mack miss games and that's where all your money is uh so uh, we'll, we'll see what Ryan Poles's vision is on this uh but my guess is he put out a number and he's sticking to it and I believe even during his press conference he said there's aspects of that contract that were what record setting or of something of that nature so yeah. pretty sure he he uh he he's gonna stick to that number. Okay, John. So we're gonna end on this, and we we talked about this a lot, you know, with Clay, and you know, even before we jumped on the show, you know, the national media weighing in the on the Bears this offseason, you know, and many believe that they're gonna be the worst team, like not only one of the worst, like the worst team 
in the NFL this season. I don't even want a timer for this one, John. Just go for it. So look, this, I don't love that I have to talk about and think about what teams might be worse than the Chicago Bears because I don't want to just think about, oh, who's going to be worse? I want to think about how good the Bears are going to be. But I've been pushed into a corner. Uh, when I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, and I see people commenting, Chicago, and it's not even close, then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive. Do you think Atlanta with Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter are going to win more games than the Chicago Bears? Do you think Geno Smith and the Seahawks in the NFC West are going to win more games than the Chicago Bears? How about Lovey Smith and Davis Mills down in Houston? They're going to win more games than the Chicago Bears? For me, the best part is, though, the Bears are going to leave no doubt because they play a lot of these bad teams. They play Houston. They play Atlanta. They play the Jets. They play the Giants. They have Detroit twice. And we still don't know how good Washington's actually going to be. Look, I said this when it was released. This schedule is juicy. And if the Bears were just a little bit better, they can make some real hay with this list of opponents. I think their absolute floor is five wins because over the past 10 seasons, the average wins by a team that has the number one overall pick is 1.9 wins. And the highest out of those past 10 seasons was three wins. So I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no, the Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL in 2022. We'll be back with Buffon's Basement right after this. Need a little help with your sports betting? Well, the Barroom Network is here to help. On Saturdays, it's weekend sports betting tips with John Santucci and Anthony from PoundItSports.com. And then on Sunday, it's the Mike North Advantage with the great Mike North. Best way to stay on top of things is subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. Welcome back to Buffon 55, and it's time for our third segment, which is called Buffon Basement. That's when we welcome in that old battle axe, Aldo Gondia, to talk about some of the trending topics around the Chicago Bears. Aldo, how you doing, my brother? I am doing very well, very well. Uh, great uh, show so far. I'm here to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why we bring you in. That's exactly why. You're welcome. <laughs> so I, I want to start with the game on Sunday because I think it's a very interesting concept. We have Trey Lance, who has been given the reins to San Francisco, although Jimmy G is still on the roster. And then you have Justin Fields, same draft class uh, with a team that apparently has no expectations this year. Who do you think has more pressure on them to perform in week one? And Aldo, since we just brought you in, I I'd like to hear your take on that. Who Who's more pressure, Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Well, definitely Trey Lance. I mean, this is a team, the San Francisco 49ers, that many people are picking to go to the Super Bowl or deep into the playoffs. And so that's a lot of pressure on this quarterback who has played probably about as much quarterback in an NFL game as you have, John. So uh, that's quite a bit. And I think that 
the reports coming out of San Francisco are encouraging for Bears fans in that he has had, he being Trey Lance, has had some difficulty with those sideline passes and his accuracy. And there's just a lot to uh, for him to congest in a short amount of time. And Justin Fields, on the other hand, has felt so confident. Week to week to week, we've seen the progress. We hear him talk about the progress, and he has instilled, I think, a lot of confidence in many Chicago Bears fans. I think the pressure is all on Trey Lance in this game, and he doesn't have tape of the Chicago Bears running this defense. And it was encouraging for me to hear that uh, Coach Eberflus today in his press conference said, yeah, we're going to attack him the same way you do any other young quarterback. We're going to put pressure on him, and we're going to disguise looks. And I hope that they bring the blitz in. I know that the scheme, they want to rely on four-man blitzes, but a guy like uh, a Trey Lance, let's throw a few blitzes on him early and uh, see if we can scare the, the snot out of him and, and, and really take advantage of his inexperience. Alyssa, is this the right time for the Bears to be catching the Niners? Because a lot of people have high expectations for the Niners, but it is week one, and everyone's getting acclimated to that game speed. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this, I mean, I haven't picked the game yet. So, I mean, I'm going to save my game pick. But that's why I think that this game is going to be very competitive and very close. You know, like Aldo was saying, you need to pressure Trey Lance. You know, he's an unknown commodity. He's, you know, his heart's going to be racing. This is going to be the first time where he's going out there on the field. He's starting. This is his team. And, you know, hey, by the way, Jimmy Caroppolo is still on the bench there. So, right. I mean, I don't think his job's, like, in danger. I think they're committed to him and they're going to ride this out. But, I mean, hey, Jimmy G is still there. So, I mean, I think they're catching him at a perfect time, like, honestly. And kind of going back to the pressure question, you know, the way you hear, like, everyone talking about Justin Fields, you would think he's under more pressure, but it's clearly Trey Lance. Like Otto was mentioning, this is a potentially Super Bowl caliber winning or competing team, they're definitely going to be a contender and Trey Lance cannot afford to be the reason why that they don't get there. So, I mean, the pressure's all on him. Uh, if they're, if the bears are able to pull an upset, it's because this is happening so early on in the season. So I don't know. We'll see, you know, pre pressure the heck out of him, boys. Let's go. It's, it's a bizarre situation for me because it's just that you spend oh, what three draft picks to trade up for Trey Lance Jimmy G takes you to the NFC Championship game. You outwardly and publicly say this is now Trey Lance's team, and we're going to try to trade Jimmy. Jimmy Garoppolo apparently isn't even practicing with the team. He's on his own separate field practicing, for, I guess, from what the reports are saying. And then uh, they're like, well, you know what? Let's just bring you back. because apparently, uh, And I think it's probably the shoulder injury that made all this happen because they weren't able to flip Jimmy uh, earlier on because he was still hurt. He was still recovering. And then, you know, it got or later on in the season and people – and other teams may be like, we're not giving you anything for him because we know you don't want him. You kind of backed yourself into a corner by saying, yeah, we're, this is Trey's team and we're, we're going to try to trade Jimmy. Same with the Baker Mayfield thing. Okay, we'll just kind of wait for you to cut him unless we're going to just give him away for nothing or you're going to pick up some of the contracts. So uh, it's just a for me, it's just kind of a, a bizarre kind of situation there and probably makes Trey Lance a little more, un even more uncomfortable than he already is being thrust in as this, Here's the here's the keys to the Ferrari, but Jimmy Garoppolo's in the back seat just in case you can't handle it. And and I and I, I just think that that that's a lot of pressure for a young quarterback who really hasn't played any significant football for for a few years now. Uh, but let's let's go back to the Bears. I want to talk about the, uh, their offense, is specifically 
the wide receiving uh, core because someone needs to step up to be that number two this year. Who is that going to be? Uh, Alyssa, I want to start with you. If you had to, if you had to pick who you think will be outside of Cole Komet, because I think a lot of people think Cole Komet might be second on the team with, with uh, in catches. But as far as the receiving core, who is going to be the one that steps up? Is it Equinemius St. Brown? Is it Dante Pettis? Uh, does Tajay Sharp uh, resurrect his career? What what happens there? Or does whenever Nikhil Harry comes back, does he does he hit the ground running? Uh, who, who, who do you think actually uh, steps up? I mean, there's so many different options to choose. These are all guys that are looking to prove themselves. So, I mean, I feel like it could really be anyone. And, you know, maybe if, you know, Byron Pringle hadn't missed all that time, he would be the, the guy I'm looking at. But, I mean, I think Equinania St. Brown, because he kind of came out of nowhere. Like, when they signed him, everyone's like, okay, he's going to be wide receiver four. He's going to be involved, but he's not going to really be doing much. But the way that he stepped up in training camp and the preseason – and instantly develop that trust with Justin Fields. That's something that is cannot be underrated. Like Fields is going to go to the guys he trusts. Mooney is going to be one. Komet's going to be two. You know, Equinemius St. Brown could be that number three guy. You know, he already knows this offense. He has experience playing in Luke Getz's scheme. So I think that that's a big thing for Fields. And I think that obviously him being a red zone target, right? You, you needed that last year. You know, Cole Komet, someone else that could be that red zone target. But I think that Equinemius St. Brown is going to surprise a lot of people this season yeah i'm uh, i'm with uh Alyssa and a lot of other people in the chat room who are, who are talking about equinemia st brown having a good season you know eq uh knows this offense so well he runs such precise routes and he uh, has been praised by Justin Fields in, in a couple of press conferences so i think that's huge when a young quarterback is trying to get acclimated to a new offense. And we know that Justin Fields knows this offense very well. He's been studying hard. He is relying on guys to be where they are going to be because a lot of this is timing passes and, and throwing to a spot. And EQ is there for that. Plus, Dante Pettis has been super, super effective at running pass patterns. So this could actually be one of those things where you'll see Darnell Mooney get 80-plus receptions. And then after that, when you look at that reception list, it's going to be a bunch of guys with 40 to 60 catches. And that would be outstanding for uh, an offense that a lot of people are are criticizing that doesn't have wide receivers, but instead, you know, maybe we don't need a number two wide receiver or even a number one wide receiver. Like, like oh, so much in the national media is blaming the Chicago bears for not having, although I personally think Mooney is, is a wide receiver one talent. Uh, so this ball could be spread around and it might, may not even be a, a concern that, uh, you know, of the hierarchy of who's getting balls. Yeah, and uh, but before I go on, I forgot that they put Tajay Sharp on the IR before the deadline, so he's actually out for the entire year. So I'm gonna, I doubt he resurrects his career <laughs> this year. Uh, but uh, but uh, moving forward, you just keep hearing all the reports about Dante Pettis's route running, and and I think that I think that's going to be really uh, integral moving forward, especially with Justin Fields knowing that he's going to be in the right space at the right time. Uh, and then you do have Equinemius St. Brown. So although I. I like what you said, where it's just like it could be Darnell Mooney with 80 catches, uh, Cole Komet with 65 catches, and then you got three guys with or two guys with 35 or 45 catches. Which, if you if you tell that to Bears fans before the season, I think most of them would take that. I think I think a lot of them would be very happy with that, and that would be 
surpassing expectations. And so uh, you, you throw it to the open guy. And, and like Clay said, uh, when we had him on that, these are guys that when you throw it to them, they're going to catch it. It's not, it's not like the, the, the balls bouncing off their helmets or they, 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 they have a real problem with the, you know, they have uh, butter fingers or anything of that nature though. So I think that there is an opportunity there to have a real solid receiving core. Now, do they have the, you know, top five superstar? Do they have a Tyreek Hill or a Devontae Adams? No, but that doesn't mean that they can't have a very effective uh, uh, passing game. So I think that, that that is something that is is interesting to look at. And it's just nice to be talking about some of the potential some of these people have or some of these players have because I think last year we kind of knew what was going to happen. I think in the la- the year before that we kind of understood what was going to happen. We held out that you know you would we'd keep banging our head against the wall and eventually something different would happen. I think that we we held out for that hope, but I think this year there's real hope and there's real intrigue. And I think that's what I think that's been the real theme for Bears fans is there's just curiosity. You want to see what these guys can do because they're they are unknown. There's just a lot of unknown on this team. New scheme offensively, new scheme defensively, new players in different spots along the offensive line uh, and the wide receiving core and hell across the defense as well. So I think there's just a lot of unknowns and you're just intrigued to watch because you want to see which one of these investments is going to hit for Ryan Poles and which one is going to be a, 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 a regular starter moving forward. So I just think it's it's just an interesting team to watch this year uh, if you're a Bears fan. Uh, let's Let's talk about one of those guys that has been moved around. And we talked about him in the B55 segment, but I want to get your thoughts on this, Aldo. Tevin Jenkins, who was, you know, brought in, they traded up for him. He's going to be your, last year, he's going to be your future left tackle. And then, you know what, maybe he's going to be your future right tackle. And you're like, hell, geez, now he's hurt. You know, now we're going to trade him. And now now he's a right guard, which he seems to be more comfortable at. Um, Do you think that he's found a home there? Do you, do you think that you think that that's where he's going to be and he could potentially be the uh, anchor at right guard there? Yeah, I really do. I think, you know, uh, back when we were doing draft on tap and uh, Tevin Jenkins was coming out, Danny Shimman scouted him and uh, Neil Stopchinski, and they both said that uh, they saw him better at that guard position. And um, I agree with, uh, with Greg Gabriel on his show. He said that, all of this hoopla that happened with Tevin Jenkins was basically he was misbehaving in some way and that the bears put out some stories or leaked some stories to fire him up. And he may not have liked it, but it sure does seem from listening to him in press conferences that he sounds like he's got a chip on his shoulder. He sounds more professional in his approach. And I think his play in those two preseason games has issued a promise that this guy could be our uh, our future king at that right guard position. He frankly reminds me a lot of Kyle Long. And, you know, he's got that athleticism that Kyle Long had. I've been a big, big, big proponent of the importance of the interior of the offensive line in today's NFL because it's a quick passing offense now. And, the, the uh, teams are putting their best pass rushers closer and closer to the guards in the center because that's the quickest route to the quarterback. Uh, it's not exclusively that way, but you need those quarterbacks. And a, every quarterback will tell you what's the most important thing they need in pass protection is a pocket, some something to step up into the pocket. And so if you've got Tevin Jenkins playing at the fulfilling his potential. And you've got Cody White here, who I think could have his best season ever. And 
Hopefully we'll get Lucas Patrick back in there. I know a lot of people in the chat room are terrified of the fact that Sam Mustafer is going to be at center, but I think Sam Mustafer has actually improved uh, based on what we saw from last year in the preseason. So we'll see. I, I have high hopes that this the entire interior of the offensive line could be a big improvement, and Tevin Jenkins is a big part of that. What do you think of it? Yeah, like looking, yeah, looking at the offensive line too, because you know people are talking about obviously how bad the Bears' receiving core is and how bad the offensive line is. They're like, oh, the Bears have the worst offensive line in the league. And I did something like even earlier this offseason before all of the different changes of the starting combinations. And you kind of looking at the players on last year's roster uh, at, at offensive line and this year. I mean, I don't think it necessarily got better, but it didn't get worse either. But there are some, obviously, you're, you still have Tevin Jenkins, who you're moving him around, you're finding a natural a natural spot for him. And you even have Alex Leatherwood. I'm really curious to see if he develops, how that's going to shake out, because you're hoping you have Braxton Jones as your left tackle of the future. I mean, Lucas Patrick is there for a couple of years at center. Uh, Tevin's right there at right guard, and you have Borum hopefully works out at right tackle. So it'd be interesting to kind of see if Alex Leatherwood really does develop where he's going to figure in uh, to this offensive line. I mean, that's a good problem to have. But, I mean, I'm just kind of, uh, like, we've been talking about, like, all the negative media attention, I'm just ready for football because I'm so tired of hearing how bad they are at, like, every position. It's just really annoying. I'm like, let's just play already. My goodness. But I do not think the offensive line is nearly – it's not as bad as people are talking. There's Again, it comes back to unproven – doesn't necessarily mean bad. Like Braxton Jones is a big question mark, but he's really he really held his own in training camp and in preseason, going against Robert Quinn and Al Qadim Muhammad and Travis Gibson. You know that's going to really help him as well. So I think he might be the biggest question mark, but at the same time he's unproven. Give him a chance to prove himself. So I do think that this group, just like the entire team, I think is going to surprise people this season. And I think uh, Cliff Victoria makes a pretty interesting point in the uh, the chat room here that Leatherwood could challenge Whitehair for left guard next season. Oh. He might not have to challenge anyone for left guard next season if if Ryan Poles decides that he wants to save some money and let Cody Whitehair walk because he's the highest paid mm-hmm. lineman on that line right now. Uh, so if, if he wants to go completely young, he would be paying that line nothing, which would allow even more money to go towards outside weapons or signing Roquan Smith or signing a big name in free agency. Uh, If Leatherwood does develop like they hope he would, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I just like talking down the line Uh, that that, uh, if if Leatherwood does turn out to be a solid guard and they let Whitehair go, then Poles has, he is the bank. He can spend, he can spend whatever he wants next year addressing any position. Uh, Now, do I think he's just going to go out there and frivolously spend and throw cash up in the air? No, because we've seen that he didn't do it this year, but he will have a lot more flexibility uh, moving forward. Then again, if Whitehair has a great year, you keep him around. Uh, Let's, let's move to a topic that I, that I just love talking about because there's just their Bears fans are so polarized on this and they're just split down the middle. This deal going to Arlington Heights seems to be, a foregone conclusion. So, okay, the Bears are going to possibly probably move from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights. I think they're playing in Aldo's backyard, but uh, for for the interim year. Uh, so, but the biggest thing that came out this week is it could be an enclosed stadium. 
which means that would be a dome and there wouldn't the, the bears would no longer be playing in the elements and bear football goes by the wayside and then I, I, i'm speaking a bit sarcastically here but aldo as the resident bears fan on this show i should say senior bears fan on this show <laughs> Super i would like to get your input on this i know you like them i like the idea of going to arlington heights simply because logistically <laughs> it works out much better for you however what do you think about the uh, the possibly enclosed stadium? Because it could be a retractable roof, but you know, anytime they put a retractable roof on there, if it's cold, they're gonna they're gonna put it over so the fans don't get cold or get snowed on or get rained on or any of that uh, any of that matter. So, what do you think? Listen, I lived through that era. I start first started watching the Bears when they were playing at Wrigley Field and loved those mud games. Loved the uh, seeing the Bears in their elements. They're all white uniforms totally covered in mud, but that was a great era. But the reality is, is that football has changed dramatically since then. This is a game of throwing the football. This is a game about speed. And in order to have to play well under those circumstances, you need a roof. You need good conditions so your speedy players can run faster. Today, Iberflus talked about how he was behind. Uh, he didn't want to take all the credit, but he had a big influence on this new turf that's being installed in Soldier Field because he wants his fast players to play fast. And this roster is comprised of a lot of fast players. Well, guess what? That isn't going to change. I don't care if Iberflus is gone in two or three years. It's it's This is the game now. It's arena football at the National Football League level. And so for the Chicago Bears, get yourself an enclosed stadium. Forget the whole thing about bear weather. That was last century. Let's get with this century. I want to get season tickets, and I want to be nice and warm and cozy with my little bottle of brandy watching Chicago Bears games under a roof. <laughs> Alyssa, I know, you like, it all <laughs> I, I know you like hot weather. Uh, I know you like warm weather, Alyssa. Are you all about the dome? I mean, I'm kind of torn because like, I, I, I love the bear weather. I love it being cold. I like it. I just always think of that 2018 game when the Rams came to town. Like, that's just the impact that that had. It, it was just incredible. And it made for an amazing game and an amazing moment. So, I mean, I never thought of the Bears playing in a dome. Like, it's very, very odd. But I'm not necessarily against it either. I mean, I guess the easy way out would be you make it retractable. But, you know, like Aldo mentioned, they might, you know, just close it up, you know, when it's snowing. Or, I mean, hey, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Matt Eberflus will be like, okay, hey, let's keep it open today, right? You know, let's like, like if you have a warm weather team coming, like maybe you can even use it like kind of like game planning against an opponent. Like if the Packers are coming to town, I mean, there's no real reason to keep it open. But maybe if you have like the Rams who play in sunny, warm Los Angeles coming to town, you open that baby up. So, I mean, I guess the, I'm taking the easy route, easy way out, make it retractable. So listen, I... <laughs> I have connections to the old, you know, Chicago Bears and like Aldo said, playing in Wrigley Field and it's 25 below zero and your your drink freezes in your cup before you even get back to your seat. And so uh, it's I can respect that. I love the history of the game. I love the aesthetics of the old game. I love seeing the elements in there. It's 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 almost like it's theatric. It's almost like a it's a theater to watch that in motion. The NFL Films does a great job of doing that. Uh, but I also know that 
bare foot if bare weather football hasn't translated in many wins and championships in the last 40 years. The the home field advantage that the Bears have has been what? One Super Bowl since 1985. So I, I, I don't necessarily see this being, oh, they're giving up their big advantage. What advantage? You know what? All it does is it makes bad teams a little bit like it keeps it, it keeps the game a little bit closer when a good team comes to town. So maybe the other team gets frozen and you you can squeak out a win. I'd rather be, you know, like you said, Aldo, fast every week. Do you really think in your heart of hearts that Aaron Rodgers loves playing in Lambeau in January? Do you think he loves having frozen hands trying to throw the ball? He's from California, by the way. Do you think he loves being in that for the frozen tundra and hitting the ground and it feels like he's hitting bricks. I don't think so. And if you, if he was being honest, maybe he has said this, but does anyone love playing in that weather? Maybe the defensive side of the ball, they they have some screws loose. Maybe they like going after it, but the the way that the league is now, and it's so offensive oriented Mm -hmm. and all of the advantages go to the offense. Why would you not want your offense to have an advantage every week? So I, I think that, I'm not against it at all. Uh, I like the I like the move simply for the logistical reasons. But I, I don't live in Chicago. But from what I'm told, it is an absolute nightmare to get into, into Soldier Field. And, and it's an, it's it's a, a logistical nightmare to go tailgating there, to park there, to get there. Uh, it's it's one of the few. I don't know. It might be the only major metropolitan city that where the team still plays in the city. The the Dallas Cowboys don't play in Dallas. Neither LA team plays in LA. The both New York teams play in New Jersey because they need their their facilities to be more accessible. Uh, some of the smaller uh, cities like in uh, like like Pittsburgh, they can be downtown because there's just there's just you can just there's more space there. Mm-hmm. There's not, and so uh, in Chicago, it's the one of the few huge cities where the team actually still plays downtown. So um, you can I, I respect that. I understand the history of Soldier Field. I'll always cherish the memory of Soldier Field and the and you know the 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 teams that have played there. Uh, I, I just. You know, you can't stop progress. You know, like, were people mad when they left Wrigley? Maybe. <laughs> were people, and so are people going to be mad when they leave Soldier Field? Probably. Uh, but, you know, you're thinking about this facility they're going to build out there. It's, it could, it's going it, to, they're going to put a, let's just face it, they're going to put a roof on it. Now, it's just whether or not it's going to be retractable or not, because they're not going to pass up an opportunity for this facility to be a year round revenue gainer because they're going to have concerts there. They're going to have basketball games there, maybe final fours there, maybe host a Super Bowl there. They're not going to balk at a chance to have year round revenue just because they want it to snow in there. So I think that, I think that it's coming now. It's just, is it going to be retractable or is it actually going to be fully enclosed? Time will tell. Um, I'm not going to be mad either way. I'm actually surprised at myself. I'm surprised because I thought I'd be like, no, you play in five feet of snow. No, you got to you gotta go out there and your hands are frozen and you can't feel your face. That's what you got to do. I'm surprised. Maybe I'm getting older. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting uh, more towards your mindset, Aldo. It's just like, I'd rather be comfy, cozy sitting and watching yeah. the game. And, and you know what? The, the TV experience has gotten so good that the NFL teams are like, are people really going to keep paying $400 a ticket so they can sit here and, and freeze their butts off? Or would they, would you rather have them have a better uh, fan experience and maybe we can up the price to $500 a ticket because then they won't be frozen and have to leave at halftime. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, and, and this is still down the road. It's going to be uh, quite some time before that facility is 
built or you know approved or whatever. But I just figured it, it, it's 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 going to stay in the it's going to stay in the talking point uh, uh, for a while. Um, before we get to a, a couple of uh, user questions here, one last thing. Um, obviously, we we heard about uh, Ted Phillips retiring uh, at the end of this year, which you know, elated most Bears fans. Uh, and but then you have you have people coming out this uh, this week. I believe I believe it was Dan Pompey that said uh, that uh, he doesn't believe that Ted Phillips really did much meddling with football operations. So, uh, Aldo, I'm going to start with you again, just because you've been following the team longer than Alyssa and I have just for sheer I'm not even gonna say because you've, <laughs> you've lived longer. <laughs> I'm trying to, I try to say that in the nicest way possible. Uh, but um, so, what is your lasting impression of, of Ted Phillips as this appears to be his last year with the team? You know, uh, to Dan Pompey's point, I, I totally agree that Ted Phillips did not meddle much at all. But unfortunately, he had the biggest decision of any uh, uh, of building a football team, which is hiring the guy that's going to make all those football decisions. And he consistently struck out with the exception of Jerry Angelo. Um, every other decision he made after that was, was terrible. And, uh, and so that's the big problem with uh, Ted Phillips legacy. Now I did a little research, you know, this team was valued at $500 million when Ted Phillips uh, took control of uh, of the team from a CEO president uh, perspective it's now according to Forbes worth 5.8 billion dollars so no wonder the Hallis family McCaskey family didn't fire him <laughs> they kept seeing these all this money rolling in uh, but it is time for him to go he's 65 years old uh, and and it's time to bring in some new blood. I, I I don't know if really if it's his decision or if George McCaskey said, listen, you know, you got a great helicopter or uh, great parachute uh, leaving town here. We'll hire you as a consultant on the on the stadium. You're gonna get paid well. You've you've made millions with us. Thank you very much. And so I think that's his legacy is that he helped the team uh, owners become super rich. But he just couldn't make the right decisions to build a dynastic type franchise, which is what this team with its great history should be. I'm sure the owners appreciate that, you know, him helping them make him rich. I mean, you, you want hopefully they want wins, too. But I mean, yeah, that's the thing that sticks out is, I mean, like he did well on the business side of things. But like when it came to like the football, like hiring the guy that's running the football operation, like it didn't do well, right? A lot of losing. But I think, you know, this Arlington Heights Stadium, this is going to be his lasting legacy with the Bears. This is the last thing he's going out on, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, he's someone who's leading it. And like you said, although he may continue to be a consultant on it. So, I mean, just when I think of Ted Phillips, I think of a lot of losing seasons. I know, John, the same. Like, well, we, yeah. we haven't seen a Super Bowl. We've seen lots of losing. So, that's the thing that I'll remember with him and like every time he met with the media, just like the Bears fans reaction. Like, I mean, it felt like an annual event, <laughs> like just to come here and let's trash Ted Phillips. So right. uh, no, but I think like, you know, on the business side, I think that he did well. Like you said, although he made the owners super rich and it's going to make him even more rich with, with this Arlington Heights stadium. So, I mean, bon voyage, uh, Ted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you for the fans' point of view, you don't really care how much the owners make, uh, and yeah. so you look at the wins and losses. From a business side, although you're absolutely right, he was a great businessman, and he did a lot of good things for the Bears organization. 
Uh, I believe he oversaw the renovation of Soldier Field whenever they needed to do that. And they, he somehow helps that process get in there. He's helping with his Arlington Heights. He secures the sponsorships and all this other stuff that the Bears are bringing money in on. So, yes, uh, and I, I believe he and Ryan Pace both uh oversaw the renovation of uh, Hallis Hall and what was going to go on to those facilities and so yes he was able to bring the business side of the Chicago Bears into the modern age the problem is like you said although he was also somewhat responsible for bringing the team into the modern age and they just never could get that GM role filled the way that they should have uh, sans Jerry Angelo a few years sure but uh, I, I think that it's it, it's his legacy with fans will be much different than what his legacy is within the business world. The business world will see Ted Phillips's lasting legacy as a successful one, whereas the fans are going to zero in on the fact that they have not seen a Super Bowl in nearly 40 years or a Super Bowl win in nearly 40 years. So uh, it all depends on who you ask, I guess, on what uh, Ted Phillips legacy is. And, and uh, Alyssa, I think you're right. This Arlington Heights thing is uh, the one to go out on. This is the swan song. If I'm going to go out, I want to be the I want to be the guy that built a brand new, beautiful facility for the Bears uh, off out of out of the city, but you know, brought their stadium into state of the art that's going to compete with those of LA and and all those other beautiful in Jerry's world and all this other. There's all these stadiums throughout the the uh, the league. So I guess it all depends on who you ask to see how how you feel about. Uh, Ted Phillips. Aldo, we got any questions? Yeah, we got some questions and some comments. Uh, you know, John, you, you've got fans uh, who follow you religiously on social media. Why? Space Ghost is one of them. He <laughs> says, we all miss your Uncle Doug. And then he also added, you have Doug's eyes. Has anybody that... ever told you that? Yes, uh, the buffoons all have these beautiful sunken eyes. That anytime that you, anytime you, you can tell a buffoon from a mile away because we all have the same eyes that are basically uh, two inches in our skull. Uh, so it, it's it's just very and and there and we all have bags under our eyes like twenty four seven. You name it, we got these bags under our eyes, and our eyes are basically on the back of our heads. So it's, it, but that's. It's very nice to hear that because every time that, you know, I go to my hometown and, you know, somebody I don't know, they're like, you're a buffoon, aren't you? I'm like, huh, what gave it away right here? Uh, so, uh, but the, but thank you so much for those kind of words. I actually just met up with uh, with my cousins who were uh, Uncle Doug's uh, daughters this weekend in Pittsburgh. It was nice to, you know, reunite with them. We went to a Pirates game. That's we don't even need to talk about that team. Uh, but, but it was it was just nice to catch up with family and kind of t we there was a lot of Uncle Doug stories there. So uh, it's always this it's always this time of year where we really I really reflect on him and our family really reflects on him because it's the start of football season. And, you know, this is whenever, you know, he would either be getting ready to play or he'd be ready to go on the air after the Bears uh, after the Bears game. So this is the time where we really start thinking about him. It's when I really start thinking about him. And quite frankly, I don't I can't think of a better time to start this show on the year uh, during the year than right now, because that's whenever he's the he's in my mind the most. Yeah, I hear you. Um, well, I gotta, I gotta tell you, Alyssa and I always thought those bags under your eyes were courtesy of Ted Phillips and the Chicago. <laughs> you know what? Subconsciously, that very that might be true. I never really thought about it. We we are a family of Bears fans, so maybe we're all just, you know, we're all just reacting to this with with these eyes. 
I got some serum for you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got another fan here in Roy Thomas. I believe he is your good friend, Roy Thomas. Uh, and he writes here, uh, hey, John, hope you're well, buddy. Looking forward to another year of your shows. Rooting you on here from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. You guys got rid of Trubisky. Now we have him. LOL. All I say about the Bears at San Francisco, ga ga San Francisco game this week is bank on the under. <laughs> but I yeah. think that brings up a good point about Trubisky and Pittsburgh. You, you need to fill us in what you're listen, hearing about Listen. It. Listen, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, I kind of grew up with Roy. Roy was actually the umpire for all my little league games growing up. Uh, wow. Roy's a good guy, but uh, oh. uh, 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 <laughs> when he went to Pittsburgh, and I'm in a group chat with a lot of my friends from the Pittsburgh area who are all diehard Steeler fans. Like they are, like I, I associate with other diehard sports fans, but they are diehard Pittsburgh Steeler fans. They know the ins and outs of that team. And when he went there. I thought of all the times they ripped on Trubisky when he was playing in Chicago, but I wasn't going to say anything because if he goes there and plays well, I am never going to hear the end of it. I will never hear the end of it. You couldn't make this guy work in Chicago. He took our team to the playoffs or he's other. So they're there. Now, luckily for me, Kenny Pickett seems to be playing pretty well. So right now, the, all of their attention is on get the rookie in there. He looks good. He's playing well in the preseason. Although Mitch is going to be the uh, week one starter, much to the delight of our friend Mike North. Uh, it, it's, uh, it looks like Kenny Pickett is right on his heels as far as being ready to play. And that's what they thought. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big draft guy, but it seems like that out of being pro ready, Kenny Pickett, I mean, he started in college, you know, 25 years, so he should be ready. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, Steeler fans, they, they like Mitch, uh, but they're anxious to see Kenny Pickett in there as well. So uh, it's, it's interesting for me because if Trubisky somehow plays well in Pittsburgh, I don't know if I can ever go home again. <laughs> That's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. We missed out on an opportunity for a Bears-Steelers game this year, like early on in the season. Man, that would have been great. That would have oh, been the time. Gosh. Yeah, even a preseason game would have been fun. Mm. Um, this, I want to pose a question to Alyssa that's inspired by Cliff's comment here. Cliff says, Doug Buffon was a hero of mine. I quote his ways to win games often. Alyssa, do you know what that quote is? <laughs> Putting you in the hot seat. Oh, man. <laughs> John, John, you better not be looking it up. No, put it up. Put that back up. Yeah, put it up. I need to see it again. Hold on. I quote his ways to win the. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember it. Cliff, write it down on the. Yeah, chat. I'm trying to figure out which one he said because I the like the 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 first anytime someone says you know what your my what is your favorite Uncle Doug quote and I say oh, he couldn't hit he couldn't hit a bull in the ass with a banjo that's that's my that's my favorite one and so that's amazing. I, I, I use that one very very often. Uh, all right, but I'm not, you gotta I'm not sure one which one I, he's talking about. I, I gotta. I, I'm surprised John doesn't stop the play. man with the skin of the pig. Run the football. Pressure the quarterback. No, it was um, run the ball. Mm -hmm. Stop the run. And then the third one is Cliff. Help me out here. I forgot. He said right there. They oh, believe it. This, it was yeah, this. yeah. Stop the man with the skin of the pig. Run the football. Pressure the QB. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well done. Game plan for Sunday. 
Yeah. yeah. You know what? It seems so simple, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> Even in today's we, we forgot that after the Matt Nagy era. We forgot that. But well, I know, thought yeah. you had to do an end around on third and one. <laughs> I, see, that's I've been brainwashed. I, I thought oh my I, God. I, I was unaware that that's how you I thought you had to just run. I didn't know you were allowed to run any other route than a curl route. So that <laughs> I, I'm like I am I'm still trying to get past that a little bit. I, I promise this is not gonna be a year of us bashing Matt Nagy because that's past us now but you know it, no. is, it is the it's the show before the new season so right. we're getting it out now because right. it's in the past after after they kick the ball off on sunday uh Alyssa, i know you're holding your prediction close to the vest uh but aldo what do you think uh the what do you think about this game on sunday well i think that the bears have a great opportunity to win this game uh my only concern is who is going to win the line of scrimmage. And so if this offense can contain this outstanding pass rush of the 49ers, then I think the Bears will win. I think that the Bears will win by a four or five, anywhere between four and seven points. I really do believe that they have the element of surprise on their side. I think that Luke Getze is going to throw things at them that they, they the 49ers have never seen. So I'm not I'm not going to predict the victory uh, because I am concerned about the the battle at the line of scrimmage. I think we've got a really really good ch- shot of winning. I will predict a victory. I'm gonna. Pre- I, mm. I thought. I, I think I picked whenever the schedule came out. I was. I went out on a limb and say, here's the game that they're gonna win that they're not supposed to win because I, I like. I like the fact that they're catching this in week one. They're gonna be. Uh, they're they're gonna have. They're gonna be at Soldier Field. Uh, Trey Lance is gonna be you know what? He's not going to be used to this. I don't care how many reps you give him. I don't care what you did in the preseason. Uh, Whenever Matt Eberflus ramps up the pressure, it's going to be different. And I know that he got some spot starts last year, but now he's the guy and he has to be the guy. And there's a world of pressure on this kid, especially with the veteran as the backup. Now Uh, I think that there is going to be, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for the bears to take control of this game. I, I think that, now, could they blow those opportunities? Absolutely. But I think I think that San Francisco will provide a few opportunities for the Bears not to just stay in this game, but to win this game. And I'm not usually the beacon of positivity on this show, as you may remember. This is, very I, weird. This is, this is really out of character for me <laughs> to say that the Bears are going to overperform. And maybe it's just because, you know, I, I haven't watched them in a while as far as playing in regular season. But I really think that they're going to have an opportunity to win this game. I, I think that I think that they could win this game 23-17. I think that I think that they're going to they're going to score enough points and maybe get a few turnovers. Maybe uh, listen. The Bears go in and they, and they force a quick turnover in the first quarter and then maybe they get some points off that turnover. Maybe Trey Lance maybe starts doubting himself or maybe he gets out of his comfort zone a little bit. I, I think there's going to be opportunities here. Now, they could say the same thing for Justin Fields, but uh, I I think that I think that there's, like you said earlier, there's so much more pressure on Trey Lance to perform well with a Super Bowl caliber roster than it is for Justin Fields, where no one has any expectations. So anything he does is overachieving. And so I, I just, I just like the opportunity for the Bears to go in there and set a tone, create some turnovers, and steal one from San Francisco. And then maybe, and maybe this is just my wishful thinking, a win over San Francisco can shut everybody up. And say this is not the worst team in the league. 
this is not going to be the team drafting number one overall. You know why? They just beat a team that some people are picking to go to the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I, I think that this is a great, great opportunity to uh, to start this Eberflus era off on the right step. And, uh, and you know, kind of take the take the flack off of Ryan Poles a little bit for not going out and spending stupid money on mid-level players. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that they have a they have a good opportunity. And um, like I said, I'm not normally a homer. So this is this is this is me legitimately thinking this, not just playing into it. I really think that. Uh, Although we need to save this for when for if the Bears beat the 49ers, lead off the show with that. There's our well done. What's your (laughs) prediction, Alyssa? She's saying I'm not gonna reveal it yet, but no, I do think that this game it's winnable. I mean, I will say that, like, and I think it's obviously the timing of it. It's perfect. Trey Lambs is his first time starting. Well, starting the year as a starter. And I just think, I mean, we look at what they did last year. I mean, I mean, that offensive line, like, did a decent job, right? I mean, I think the defense the defense broke down, and Ryan Poles addressed the secondary. That was the big issue. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think this is a good matchup. Like, Aldo said, I think it's going to come down to the line of scrimmage. Like, that's the concern, right? We're going to be looking at the offensive line and how they contend against Nick, Bo- uh, Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. So, I mean, it's. It's it's going to be much more competitive and close than people are giving them credit for. And I mean, I'm not going to make my prediction yet, but I would not be surprised if the Bears pulled out this game. I'll say that. I saw I was laughing. Bears 104, 49ers negative two. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's my prediction. Damn, J- get it. J2K. I I, I like I like it. We'll go look at that. That sounds like a, a Swarsky super fan skit on SNL. <laughs> Bears 104. What Niners. about an MVP for this game, uh, John? Ooh. Well, here's the thing. Well, no, I shouldn't say that either. I was going to say if the Bears win, it's going to be hard not to say that, you know, Justin Fields was the MVP. But I think that you could certainly give it to somebody in the secondary like a Jaquan Brisker who could potentially uh, either picks up, uh, you know, gets an interception and then forces a fumble or comes up in the box and makes a big play. So I think it could be somebody on the defensive side of the ball who really changes the game because if it's tied, you know, if it's tied 17-17 late in the game and then, you know, Brisker takes one to the house – uh, then, then I, it's hard to not give the MVP to that. So I, I think that I think that it could be somebody in the defensive secondary making a big play to to end the game. So I, I'm, you know what? If if the Bears win, I'm just gonna say we're since we're just throwing out random, you know, predictions. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jaquan Brisker could be the MVP of this game just for making a big play late. I like what I see out of the kid, and uh, talk to some people who you know watched a lot of his pen uh, his college uh, tape, and they like they love it. So. Uh, I I think that he could already have an impact on this game. Wouldn't that be a welcome to the NFL moment? My goodness, that would be amazing. Well, it's better than you know. A good throwing one. A, a good one. It's better than throwing a, a inter, interception in the back of the end zone to aim. Uh, uh, gosh, the the he <laughs> I lost his name already. Amos, uh, Adrian Amos. Whenever remember against the Packers, oh, Trubisky throws that last pick, and oh, Amos didn't pick off. He didn't have any interceptions for the Bears, and he gets one in Week One to end the game. That was uh, that was a little bit of a heartache. So hopefully we could reverse that. Uh, but and then you know next week after. You know, after this game, we get to talk about the Packers in prime time. Oh, which, lovely! Why do they keep doing?
doing that. Quit there goes the positivity. Time. This is going to be the last. This is it. This is it because I hate when this. Se- I hate when they're on prime time. I hate it. I got to stay up late because I'm on the East Coast. Most of the time they get their butts kicked, so I have to stay up till almost midnight to watch them get their asses kicked. And I just, I hate it. I hate it. Wait, yeah. wait until they're good. No, I'll be up till one or two a.m. writing stuff. I'm right. like, I don't like. I hate prime time games. But if they manage to like do the impossible and meet the Packers, I'll be doing it with a smile on my face. So good point. Hey, good point. Never know. You know what? We're staying positive. Stay positive. Stay the course. It's not week two yet. We can be positive. We're still right. positive. I like this. This is new. And yes. I really hope that we can go on this, this might be the last time it happens, but at least yeah. we're going to try it out this week. Uh, Aldo, we got anything else to go over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just one more uh, from Eric. He asked, not that the roster is final. It's close to final. There might be some transactions over the next couple of weeks. Uh, how, does, how do we grade the job that Ryan Poles has done building this 2022 roster. Man, I'm I was about to take a really bad cop out because I was gonna get I was yeah. going to give I was gonna give him an incomplete because Me too. He, yeah, and uh, listen, you're a teacher, so you you know what this is all about. Uh, but but you know because I, the reason I was gonna say that is because you don't know a lot about a lot of these players, and mm-hmm. so you know if we're gonna. If, you know, when we give midseason grades, we'll have a much better grasp on that. Uh, I just think that Ryan Poles took the approach is I'm going to go get a lot of low risk, high reward guys who might be hungry for another contract who are possibly going to have career years or have some of their most productive years in Chicago uh, because this might be their last chance. And so they're going to give it everything they have. And if they play well, then we're, we will reward them with another contract. Um I know that I know that's an awful answer, so I don't I don't want to say incomplete, but I, I will say I'll give him a solid B minus right now, just because you don't see any outside of maybe Roquan and Robert Quinn, uh, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else that you don't see a lot of top ten guys. Although I love David Montgomery and I consider him one by you know most standards, people don't say he is. Uh, so I'll, I'll say B minus. But honestly, I can see that slipping way high or way low. So that's, mm-hmm. don't don't hold it to me right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'd give him. Oh, sorry. No, no, please go ahead. Okay, as as a former teacher, I'd give him a B right now. Just again, this is we'll call this the first quarter, right? It's just like the season. This is the first mm-hmm. quarter, right? There's still a long way to go for this grade to be factored in, but. I think I really loved what he did in the NFL draft. I think that's the big one. I think that really did a lot for me giving him that B. You know, we I know when when he drafted Brisker, I know everyone wanted a wide receiver. I was among it. But then when you really sit back and you think about it, the way he's building this team and addressing, he knew secondary was a huge need. So what do you do? He used his first two picks to to address cornerback and safety, two of the big positions and those starting jobs that were up for grabs. So and then you have Bayless Jones, you know, at first it was like, oh, did he reach on him? But again, maybe he found a hidden talent that other people were overlooking, right? And we'll see, again, with whether these guys pan out. But Tyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker already, from like when they got there, already were making plays. And they're going to be defensive cornerstones in this defense. And I mean, even like going out and drafting offensive linemen, Braxton Jones, if he works out and is their left tackle of the future, my goodness, landing him in the fifth round, mm-hmm. that is going to be huge. And even the undrafted free agents, right? Jack Sanborn. I'm really excited to see how he factors into this team moving forward. Like, my goodness, like getting him. I, I can't believe he wasn't drafted still. But, you know, I really was impressed with what Poles did in the draft. And even in free agency, like you said, Johnny, he was going out making those low-risk, potentially high-reward signings. So, 
next year he'll be able to do a little bit more work in free agency. But I think for a first NFL draft, I think this one has the potential. I mean, even getting Trenton Gill, who looks like a seasoned pro already. My goodness, when he went out there, I was like, are you sure you haven't been playing in the NFL? Uh, I mean, this draft class has the potential to really have a big impact on this team moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And I agree with uh, Laz here who says the D-line, he has concerns with the D-line. And and it's just too bad that the Larry Ogunjobi signing Mm -hmm. did not work, that his injury prevented him from passing the physical. And, you know, it was good that the doctors caught it. You don't want to invest in a player that there will be concerns uh, that the ankle injury he had could have some long-term problems. Uh, or it could be a wash for the season. We'll see how that goes. But that was big. And then, of course, the Ryan Bates uh, signing with or, or lack of signing with the Bills, that really would have helped the depth of this offensive line. So I, I agree with everything that everyone that everyone has said. You know, the big grade comes next year. He's going to mm-hmm. have all of these resources, and he needs to take a monumental leap forward at addressing, you know, needs at the cornerback depth, wide receiver depth, and, and making sure that uh, Justin Fields has the adequate or better than adequate uh, offensive line prote- protection. So with all those resource- resources that he has, um, and if he doesn't get an A after next year's roster building, uh, then there'll be some disgruntled Bears fans here at the bar room. <laughs> yep, I agree. Well, I think we covered a lot in this, you know, hour and 45 minute premiere, which is much longer than we normally go. But I just it's just been so long that I just we had a, we had so much to, to talk it. about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we close things out, let's talk about some of the other things going on at the ballroom. Of course, after every Bears game, Bear football, the post game show with Aldo Gandia, myself and Tyler, Tyler Ellis. And is, is, wait, is Tyler back on the show? Tyler. <laughs> Uh, Danny Shimon and you, I'll be behind the scenes producing and getting uh, team things up for you guys. So it's a uh, uh, Danny Shimon is joining the team and basically replacing me. I want to go behind the scenes and 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 be on top of uh, making sure we get press conferences on on time and and find some interesting stuff on social media that we could use to help analyze those those Bears wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope, let's let's hope so. So, but yeah, that's after every Bears game. You'll catch us after uh, the game on Sunday. It'll be noon for you Central timers. I uh, won for me, uh, and so I always I always get the, the always the late uh, games. But I, I can't imagine living on the West Coast and there's a football game on at 10 a.m. I'd love that every single me every too. Time. That'd be awesome. You imagine it'd be fun getting drunk at 10 a.m. <laughs> and having a reason to. <laughs> well, I'm also thinking like Monday night football starts at what 5:30. I'd be done, done at 8.30, and then, like, my night's not even over yet. I'm like, well, this is neat. But all, although I have to wait, I have to try to keep okay. myself up because I'm old, and I'm sitting there at 11.30. I'm like, come on, please be over. Like, I got nothing. <laughs> and then we got to do a post-game show, so I'm on until 2 in the morning. But either way, uh, yeah, make sure you tune in to Bear Football, the post-game show, uh, every after every Bears game here on the Barroom Network. Aldo, what else is going on? There's, like, 9 million shows on the Barroom Network now. What do we got going on? There's tons of them, and I, I'll highlight this one tomorrow. Uh, this is uh, a show near and dear to you, uh, John, because you developed the concept, and that's the bear debate. And tomorrow it'll be the bear don girl, Caitlin Lerner, facing off against Alyssa, your good buddy. Brendan. How do you pronounce Brendan's last name? I got to rehearse that. Shagroom. 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 Okay. Shagroom. <laughs> Shagroom. <laughs> Maybe I'll just call him Brendan S. 
But that's going to be fun tomorrow at 8. He's used to it. <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. Um, that's at 8.30 tomorrow. I got some great questions for them. That, so that should be a great debate. And, of course, uh, some of the other shows we got here on the network that are attracting a lot of attention, Bear Necessities uh, with Jordan T. Silvera and uh, the Bears Country Podcast has joined us on Monday nights. And uh, Greg Gabriel is still hitting out of the park uh, the day after every game. So we, we'll see him next Monday. we got a lot of Bears content, uh, fresh content almost every day. And so really appreciate all of you who are already uh, barroom diehards and uh, let other people know about uh, what we're doing. Let's let's create a bigger crowd. Yes. And let oh, yeah. So I'm going to add the best way to stay informed about everything happening here, all these amazing shows happening at the barroom is to follow us on social media at barroom network and you can find us all across social media including facebook twitter and youtube and don't forget to bookmark bearswire.com i'm over there doing a whole bunch of stuff getting ready for week one i'm trying to get back into the swing of things i mean i never stop but game week is a different monster so you know i'm preparing getting back in the swing of things i'm ready for sunday just I'm ready for Sunday so we can just stop hearing about how bad the Bears are. I really hope that John's prediction comes true. And if it does, you can read all about it on bearsboy.com. Listen, uh, Alyssa completely undersold what she does over there. She is an absolute machine. I've never seen someone just churn out so much content and then also have everything else going on as far as what her job is. So uh, make sure you're following her on Twitter. Make sure you bookmark everything that she's contributing to because it's absolutely amazing that you can get that much content out for one person. It's, it doesn't even make sense. I've worked, I worked in media for over a decade. It doesn't make sense how much stuff she actually churns out. I actually thought she was a robot at one point. So make sure that you check out all of her content, but that will do it for this premiere episode of Buffon 55, the beginning of season six. How are you people Woo! still listening to this? It's incredible. <laughs> season six of Buffon 55. We will see you next week. They're kicking the ball on Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>